This is Hannah Rose and welcome to the Inspire Within podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Inspire Within. My name is Hannah Rose and I am your show host. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Laura Huffless. Laura is the co-founder of Flightview, a Nashville-based full-service entertainment marketing agency founded in 2015 that connects brands to consumers through storytelling, experiences, and pop culture. Flightview was named as Adweek's 2019 Top 100 Fastest Growing Agencies, and I'm so excited to hear the story behind this agency today. Laura, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I appreciate your time. So I really just want to, like I always do with my guests, take it back to the early days and stages of your life, because I feel like that really shapes how you are today and who you are today. So would love to hear more about your upbringing. Were you born and raised in Nashville? Just some highlights around that would be great. Yeah. So I do agree that your upbringing definitely shapes your path in life. And my parents, obviously the biggest influences in my life. you can look back to how they raised me to see where I am now in my career. So my dad was military, um, was in the Navy, went to the Naval Academy. My mom was an art teacher. Um, and so I've really been working between the business community. Um, you know, my dad pursued a career in business and really the artistic um, talent community my whole life, working between my mom and dad, right? Very two different ends of the spectrum. Um, and that's really what I do now at uh, the ad agency is really pairing big brands, corporate, the corporate world, corporate America with talent influencers, um, opportunities in pop culture. Um, and so I, it's funny looking back how those experiences as a child, really uh, living in that home and um, just learning from both of them uh, now has really set me up for my career in the long run. Yeah. I also grew up moving a lot. So because my dad was in the military, we moved every few years. Uh, and so I think that's really served me well, although it wasn't great when I was young, it was very difficult, but getting through those experiences, being able to walk into any room, make friends, be able to adapt, be able to understand different cultures, different people groups, and being able to, to fit in and have conversations uh, were all great skill sets that I learned as a child that served me well in business. Yeah, that's great. And that must have been really hard for you too, as a kid going through always having to kind of pick up and uproot and go somewhere else. Do you have a favorite city or a favorite place that you were located when you're when you're moving around all the time? I'm asked this question a lot. <laughs> and I would say we lived in Arizona for seven years. It was the longest stretch. And I loved Arizona, but I I don't know if it was as much the city because when you're young, you don't really know the city, but you do know that time of life. And that was when it was like kindergarten. I was, you know, only going to school half days, (laughs) Um, but it was just everything you learning so much. We had a pool, we took bike rides. Like I just remember that time of my life, that kind of early elementary school time of going to the library and doing art classes and art contests with my mom and there's just such a creative time in my life. Thanks to my mom who stayed home with us and, and just poured into us, me and my sister. So I think that was my favorite time in life that I have so many great memories from, um, more so the time versus the city. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great to hear. And would you say that like your mother, or your father were kind of your main source of inspiration throughout your professional journey? Or did you have other mentors that you looked up to in early stages of your life? Yeah, sadly, as I got into the field I am now, entertainment, and this was back in early 2000s, there were not a lot of female mentors. There just weren't a lot of females in the business. Um, There was a handful. And so I would consider those my mentors, but they were the only ones uh, really then. And so I was lucky to have some of those. My I worked for a talent agency was my first job. The agent I worked for was a female, which was rare. So I was very lucky and blessed to be able to see her path and see the obstacles she faced. Um, and she, you know, broke a lot of ceilings so that I could pass through. And I think that's how I look at my job now too, is what are the doors I can break open for the next generation to, to come through? Um, and so, you know, there were a few, uh, but not as many as there are now. And, you know, I think I chose an industry that was very male dominated. For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm so grateful that I'm growing up, you know, as an emerging entrepreneur with a lot of female founders to look up to like yourself. So it's nice to know that like, you had somebody at the early stage of, stages of your career that, you know, was an inspiration to you as a female leader in the business too. Um, so just like going off of that first job, what was that like for you? And did that, was that the main motivation to eventually start your own business and be a co-founder? What was that journey like for you? Yeah. I think your first jobs are just learning opportunities where you should go into that job, not thinking that that is your final career path or choice, but this is something I want to learn about. How much can I learn in the time I'm here and, and where are the growth opportunities or, or how do I, you know, volunteer to work on other projects to learn more? Like, I think I just looked at the first 10 years of my career as how do I learn as much as I can while I'm here? There was an interesting moment in my career where um, the company I was at was acquired and they all gave us an option to take a package and, and leave and, and move on to something else. And I ended up taking that. And so I, I went out on my own and I was in my mid twenties and I was closing deals and, you know, I was, I was signing on small clients and, and I hit a point where I realized at 25 or 26 in my career, I don't know everything <laughs> and me working on my, by myself in an apartment is not giving me access to the things I want to learn. Sure, I can do the work, but am I really going to have opportunities to grow? And the answer was no. Um, that's when a, a big talent agency pursued me. They had been pursuing me for a while. And I decided, well, I can join that team. That team will give me access to global programs and global opportunities that I couldn't have sitting alone in my apartment. <laughs> Uh, and so I took that job for the growth opportunities. Now, financially, I would have made more on my own, but it wasn't about the financial piece. It was, I, I need to learn more and eventually I will make more financially down the path. So it was the long-term vision that I always pursued versus the short-term paycheck or title. And I say that because I see the younger generations now pursuing the short-term paycheck or title jump or whatever that is. And I've highly encouraged to pursue growth. That's in the long run, what will pay off. 
Yeah, that's such an interesting take too, because I mean, I have this internal battle with myself all the time. Do I want to go ahead and do my own thing eventually and work towards that? I'm currently in a nine to five job. I work as a recruiter at Hearst Magazines and I love what I do and I love the platform that I have. We have magazines like Cosmo and Seventeen and it's great to work for huge name brands, but is it about the growth or is it about, you know, eventually wanting to kind of pivot and do your own thing? So I appreciate your take on that because I think it's a hard thing to kind of figure out when you're early off, early stages in your career too. Well, I left to start my own company when I was 35. Okay. I think that was the perfect age because I had enough experience and wisdom and knowledge to be able to get through a lot of the obstacles that you face when you start something on your own and you don't have anyone to rely on or ask, you've got to figure out, you know, on your own and you have to have those tools. You also, one thing I, I feel like I didn't have the tools for, and I had to learn (laughs) very quickly is leadership is coaching is when you're on your own, you may be really good at getting results, but you might be really good at your job. But when you start a company and you move to leadership, it's about achieving results through others. And it's a completely different skill set. And sadly, I did not have that when I first started my company. And so I was, I was forced to do a lot of go through a lot of coaching and, and find resources to help me learn how to do that. Um, and so I say the the more you can learn in your career now, the more you can be given leadership and management opportunities to practice those things, build those skills so that if you do decide to start something on your own, you're already ahead. You know how to do that. Um, and you're not playing catch up. I think a lot of people try to start something on their own too soon and they just don't have the age or wisdom. And so they're quickly on to something else in a year or two, or it doesn't work out. It's because they didn't realize that learning those tools and practicing those does, does take time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was kind of that main like click for you in your head that you, when you said you were 35, you started your own thing. What was kind of the main motivation feeling like I'm ready at that point to do this now? There were no more growth opportunities at my current company. And I think that's a pattern through my life is I always pursue the growth. So when I hit that point where there's nowhere for me to grow, and also there was no one out there doing what I wanted to do, there was a market opportunity for what we do now. Brands were asking for it. People were trying to hire me to do it. So there was a business opportunity, but there was also nowhere for me to go at my current company. So that's when I decided that that's the, that's the only lane. Um, I do, when I mentor folks, I, I always ask the question, are you leaving to start your own thing because there's an opportunity or because you're running away from something and never start a business because you're running away because you're just going to be running to other problems. You're running from problems to other ones, right? You're never anywhere you work or lead, there will be obstacles and problems. So make sure you're doing something or you're going to something that you love or that, you know, you can't do where you're at. Um, that's the only way that you're going to have the energy, you know, and the perseverance to continue on with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what were some of those obstacles you had to overcome when you first started flight view? Well, I started with a business partner and he's still my partner today. Uh, but we started with nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think $1, right? That's that's what we had. And um, some early obstacles, I think, is 
for us, we, we both had never run an agency or worked at an agency. So we were starting a business that neither of us had worked in. We had to do the work and we saw there, there needed to be a different model. So we were building a new model. I think early on, you know, I never run a business. I wasn't a finance major. I wasn't a marketing major. Like I, I had to learn P and L's and just basic business knowledge. Uh, and again, I had some great mentors and I think those were the biggest hurdles at the beginning. Um, luckily we already had clients and we had business. So it was really about keeping up and trying to staff, trying to figure out how to lead. Again, I said, I didn't have those tools when I started out once I needed. So it, I think those were some of the biggest hurdles at the beginning. Um, we're just figuring out how to, how to set it up. How do I get staff? How do I scale this? Um, still, those are still, uh, hurdles, but just on a larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And one of my questions was going to be how you gain such amazing clients on your roster. You have Victoria's Secret Pink and Jack Daniels. Were those at like with you at the early stages or were those clients that you had to work for over time? Yeah. Well, we started out with two clients, uh, Cracker Barrel and American Red Cross. Those were our first two clients. And those were brands that I had worked with at my previous, previous company. Um, so those were just based on relationships. And I'd say every client from from the beginning has always been about a relationship. It's been a relationship I've had or Jeremy has had previously, or it's been a referral. Clients like our work and they tell their friends or somebody is at a job that we have a a client relationship with one day and then they go to take a different job and then they hire us in their new job. Yeah, Uh, The wonderful world of marketing, (laughs) people change jobs fairly quickly. So uh, I think that's how we've gained such a great roster is just we have really loyal clients that no matter what company they go to, they bring us along. And that's why I say relationships in business are the most important. Um, And I think again, for generations coming up, building relationships looks a lot different. It's over text or zoom. Um, Taking that offline is so important to build that one-on-one interaction, even though, you know, it's, I know the ways we communicate are still different. Yeah. the way that we connect emotionally has not changed. Yeah. There's nothing like that in-person connection. I, I think that's really gone overlooked since, you know, COVID and just having the access of being able to hop on a quick zoom call. If you can have that in-person interaction, it really makes a difference. I totally agree with that. And do you think, so something we talk about a little bit on inspire within, or that I've had in some conversations so far is imposter syndrome and just being kind of, you know, not feeling like you have the confidence to go to somebody that's much higher than you in their career or has a lot more experience than you do. Um, What are your tips for either overcoming that? Have you ever experienced that? Would just like your take on that. I think imposter syndrome is really all about feeling insecure, right? And, and almost there's almost like a guilt or shame piece of that too. Um, So the only way that I know to get around that is just to bring into the light, right? Like it, if I'm worried someone's going to find out I don't know the answer, I'll just tell them I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to have, be worried about it. So I think my approach has always been, if I don't know something, I'm the first one to ask. Like first one, just to stop a meeting and say, I don't know what you just said. Can you repeat that? Yeah. Um, my lawyer actually is a very influential man in entertainment. And I've known him since I was young in my career. And he will tell you, I have always been the person as we're going through contracts. Wait, just stop, stop, go back. Yeah. I don't understand that language. 
he wants to explain. I still don't understand that language. <laughs> Please tell me, tell me again. Uh, and so I, I ask a lot of questions and I'm just, I think that eliminates that. Like, let's, let's just put it out there. Cause I'm not going to learn it otherwise. In the next meeting, I'm going to have even a, you know, a worse complex. If I can't explain this. So I, I think my approach has always been to be the first to say, I don't know and ask because it will just spiral if you don't, and you get into a situation where you, you don't know the information. So yeah, I try to find mentors and, and experts in every field. And I call it my board of directors. It's not a real board of directors for my company, but it's my personal board of directors where if I have a question, I can ask them personal or professional and they hold me accountable. And it's, you know, a, an unspoken that there's no stupid question. Uh, we can all help each other. Yeah, that's inspiring to hear too for a woman that's, you know, been so accomplished in your career already and you're still asking those questions and you're not afraid to, there's no stupid questions. You're not afraid to kind of just put it out there if you don't know something. So that's a really great piece of advice. Thank you. Um, People think that, you know, we look to, we look to um, folks who have quote, you can't see my hands, but quote made it or they have these great titles. We think they know the answers. They're just making it up. We're all making it up. I had a mentor once who worked for Nike uh, in Asia. She led the expansion program there. And I just think she's brilliant. And I thought she had, you know, she has all these answers. How did, how did she learn all these answers? And she said, Laura, we make great shoes and we make the rest up. And I just always remembered that, that line stuck with me. And so Every time I think about my company, like I know what we do great. We do this great and we make the rest up and everyone's doing that. And so I think that also eliminates a lot of the anxiety or worry about how I'll be perceived because everyone is thinking the same thing and feeling the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. There's no like God complex around everybody. We don't all know every single answer. We're really all making it up. So that's really, you know, nice to go back to if you don't know the answers around something and you feel like somebody has everything and all the knowledge and wisdom in the world. They're really just figuring out as they go along life too. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, just wanting to pivot a little bit more to your current day-to-day at Flight View. And I know, you know, sometimes as a founder or co-founder, over time, people take a step back at more of a high level of the business. Would love to just hear like what your day-to-day looks like, how involved you are in specific deals and things like that. And, you know, also, you know, we can talk about balance and how you balance everything too. Yeah. I'm still very involved. But I have focused my involvement on the thing that I love the most, which is creative and creative strategy. Um, so I think as you, and that's something as a CEO or a founder, as you continue to grow your company and scale, you can't be involved in everything. You have to trust your leaders, but you should scale with the vision of, of stepping out of the things that other people can handle and leaning into the one thing that you want to, to stay involved with. So Jeremy and I sat down three years ago and we looked at our growth plan. And three years ago, I was involved in everything looking out, you know, now it was, how do we build a plan to get us to where we want to be, where we're not involved in everything. And for me, it's creative for him, it's talent um, and entertainment. So we started building a plan of here, you know, when we hire this person to take on this chunk and when do we bring in someone else to take on another department? And, and that was our plan so that we could eventually get to a place where 
we're solely focused on our special, what I call our superpowers. <laughs> um, and, and I'm really glad we did that. Cause if you don't do that, you end up trying like burning out because you're still involved in everything and you can never step out. So as a leader, as a CEO, I would encourage everyone to make that plan. The beginning, you have to be involved in everything, but five years later, you shouldn't be. And if you are, you haven't built a good plan. Yeah. And when you say that you want to specifically focus on creative within the business, does that just be like building out the experiential marketing events and kind of just thinking around the creative strategy around how you're bringing in clients and connecting them with talent and influencers? Yeah. So we're an entertainment marketing agency. And so brands come to us um, to help them connect to consumers via pop culture. And that can look a lot different for various clients. So that could be um, integrating into an award show or a TV show or producing content with influencers. It can be an experiential event, a concert, a tour. Um, we do pop-up events uh, frequently too. So when a client comes in, they give us a brief and the brief will say something like, we need to reach uh, females 21 to 35 who enjoy fashion and um, let's see, and pets, I'm making this up. <laughs> and uh, we need to reach them. They're in this, you know, in this demo and we want to launch this new product. And we, that's all the information we get. And then we kind of have a six to eight week process where we come up with a creative concept that will help them do that. Like I said, it can look very different from events to content to talented influencers to celebrity deals. Um, and so I lead the creative in formulating what those ideas and those concepts are. Once we present that and the client chooses one of those concepts, then there's another team that brings that to life. Um, so I'm solely focused on you know, taking, taking the information in and leading the creative team to come up with the idea. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's super interesting. And it sounds like you always have like really cool ideas flowing too. So that's a really cool job and a fun job to have, I would say. And for Jeremy, in terms of the talent, he's kind of, is he like pitching to clients and getting talent to come to the door? So when I mentioned that once the client chooses the idea, then I hand it off to bring it to life. I hand it to Jeremy <laughs> and Jeremy and the team bring it to life. And that can look like doing a, you know, brokering a talent deal or an influencer deal. It can be activating an event. Um, and so he's really leading all those teams that we have to bring it to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. I find it so interesting. I think that agencies like yours are kind of like the way of the future and the way of the world now. So I think it's just interesting to hear the perspective from somebody who's in it every single day. Um, but yeah, I would love to also talk a little bit more about how you balance your life. I know that you have an adopted baby, Evelyn. She's gorgeous. I just saw her. So congratulations. <laughs> um, and I know that you're a single mother. So it's definitely a lot to be a co-founder and a single mother and have, you know, a six month old at home. So would love to hear, you know, some things that you have in place to balance your life in terms of all of that. Well, everyone comes into motherhood differently. <laughs> uh, I, d I think my journey into motherhood was a, a little different than I expected, than even I expected. And um, I had started the adoption process Um and had a timeline for that. It coincided with my business timeline um, of when I could take that break to step away. Um, unfortunately, Evelyn was born almost three months early. Um, she weighed two pounds and she was born in a NICU in Florida. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee. 
So that disrupted all of my plans. So as much as we think we can make these great plans, uh, <laughs> they don't always work out that way. Yeah. Uh, so my advice is build a really great team that is adaptable and can adjust. Yeah, <laughs> and, sure. and my team did. And so I was able to step out. I spent two months in Florida in a NICU, was able to fly her to NICU here in Nashville for the last month and then brought her home in February. Um, so I was out for a lot longer than I expected. Um, and that was really hard for me as a founder because my priority had shifted to making sure this little girl lived. Um, but I also had this team I really cared about. Um, so I would just say that the learning in that is, again, build a team that can adapt and be ready to take on, on anything uh, and, and find your people. Like hire, hire slow, fire fast is what they say. And that's so true. Um, and so they, they really did. Jeremy is a wonderful partner. He led the team. And then since then, actually, Jeremy's taken a sabbatical. <laughs> He's currently on a sabbatical, and now I'm leading the team now that I'm back. Um, what I learned actually in this journey is that my perception of how I could balance was completely wrong. <laughs> I thought it would be easy to have a baby, have a nanny, be able to do both. She has some health problems um, that we're still figuring out because of her premature birth. Um, and that takes a lot of time, especially when you're a single mom. So I think my perspective on maternity, paternity leave, um, childcare, flexible hours, work from home has completely changed. And my hope and what I think my team will tell you now is that we have a much more flexible work environment than we have ever had because I've now walked that journey. Yeah. Um, so I think it takes more women in leadership positions who have walked this journey to change the rules for everyone else. Yeah. And I've been re become really passionate about that, um, having experienced it myself. And um, when I got back, we put into place a, a much more generous maternity leave policy um, and a sabbatical policy. Because here's the other side is that I was the single no kid employee for 20 years. And I was always having to pick up work from people who were out on maternity. I know how that feels and not getting paid anymore, not getting any kind of extras. I was just picking up the work. So I understand both sides of the equation. So I think every maternity or child leave policy should have a sabbatical policy for everyone else at the company that may not choose that path, but deserves also to have time off to pursue their passions. So we've put both of those side by side. So someone can take leave for, you know, if they want to grow their family, Someone can also take leave if their life mission is not to grow a family, but they want to, you know, hike the Appalachian Trail. I don't know what that is, but they need, they deserve the time to do that too. And as a team, we're all going to take care of one another. And we're going to pick up that work because we know when we're out, someone is going to pick it up for us. So I think that's how it's changed my perspective on, um, from a leadership standpoint, on a balance standpoint, um, it takes a community. <laughs> yeah. And I think the same, like sometimes I bring her into work. Um, everyone helps. Uh, I have a full-time nanny, which is wonderful. And I can afford that. Um, yeah. but I do think as company companies, we do need to help our employees be able to, to balance and have both. Absolutely. And that's why, well, first off, I just want to say like, you are so inspiring. I don't think a lot of people could do what you do. I I'm just like in awe over here because that's so amazing. And I think it takes a really special person to 
not only adopt, but also be a single mother and, you know, go through all the balance that you're trying to go through right now too. So, you know, that's just so awesome. So thank you for sharing your story. And that's also why I think we need so many more women in business to walk and go through these paths to be able to implement that into their company. Not only is it so amazing in terms of work-life balance and just being able to kind of not even reward, but give your employees kind of the foundational piece of being able to live their life outside of work. That's so important. And then also, you know, from just from a business perspective too, it is really great recruitment strategy to bring people in and also just show them that if they work here, they'll have really great work-life balance and be able to live their life outside of work too, because it's not about working super late nights anymore. It's about being able to kind of value all the things that you want in your life and bring them all to light. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's important that we are able to create an environment where no matter what stage you are in your life, you still have a role and can contribute to the team. So, I mean, like I said, early in my career, I wanted to work till 1am. I wanted to get compensated more for it. Right. But I had the hours and I was passionate and I, I didn't want to have to turn off at five because they told me I had to do something else. Like I wanted to work. I have people on my team like that. Now I will compensate them more because that's the stage of life they're in. I have others who want to leave every day at 4 PM to coach basketball for their kids. That's great too. I can create a role for them where they can do that. Now they might not get paid as much or their bonuses might not be as much, but that's okay. They don't care about that. They care more about the time. Um, I have others who care more about growth. And so I can create an environment and a package and a role for them where they're continually have coaching and, and, you know, have a clear path for growth. So I, I, I really try to customize the role for the individual and the stage of life that they're in. I think that's where the future is for companies. It cannot be one size fits all because we're not all in the same stage. We don't all have the same passions and interests and it has to be individualized. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think that it's so important to feel like you're going to a company where you are, you know, compensated appropriately. If you want to work longer hours, you feel, you know, psychologically safe at work. You feel like you can talk to your boss about these things and really like have that balance that you want to have. So it's great to hear that at your company, you've kind of been able to cultivate that individually for each of your employees. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for your advice today and your wisdom. I think you are such an amazing woman in business and a leader that I really look up to and hope to stay connected to. So I appreciate how generous that you've been with your time and, you know, your words today. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Oh, that went so fast. Thanks for having me. So fast. Thank you so much. You're welcome.